You are listening to Corellian Run Radio, your route through hyperspace to the latest news on Star Wars The Old Republic. This episode is brought to you by the following public service announcement. This is Timmy. He's just built his first lightsaber. It looks swell, Timmy. Hold on there. You should be more careful. Before you try that out, there's a few things you should know. Having your own lightsaber is a big responsibility. But by following just a few simple rules, you can make your lightsaber a lot safer. First and most important, when you turn your lightsaber on for the first time, never point it towards your face. Ouch! That's dangerous. And don't use it in the house. Always take it out of doors. Hi, and welcome to Corellian Run Radio. This is episode 26, and we are recording Sunday night, June 12, 2011. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Carla. Hello, everybody. And Roxanne. Hey, guys. And uh, that thing that we heard at the beginning was actually something we found on the internet. I want to credit Aaron Ziegler for his Your Lightsaber and You video. Uh, you can see the full video on Adam, the Comedy, Centri- uh, Comedy Central Originals page. We'll have a link. It's, it's pretty funny. It's one of those, it's a spoof on those old safety videos. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's see. Carla, what have you been doing this last week? Actually, I know what you've been doing. You've been doing the same thing I've been doing. Oh, my gosh. I have been trying <laughs> to keep up with all of the monumental information that was coming out of E3. I don't think I left my computer all week. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I mean, that seriously, that that's how I feel. It, it just, there was so much stuff. And every time I turned around, I was finding something else and having to listen to that and watch it and not having to, but it really. I was like, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I couldn't be there, so I had to watch for every little bitty tiny tidbit of information. I know, and yeah, and it's just, you know, as soon as we found it, we would try to put it up on the site, so um, I think one of the things I said to either you or Roxanne, I said, it's, it's kind of ironic. I think we're doing a better job of covering the event not being there than we then we cover it when we are there <laughs> just because it's so hard to like when you're there it's hard to like take the time out to tweet or to, or to write an article and things like that so, i don't know stephen reed did a very good job of tweeting very well, very good <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> um, but but yeah so basically that was that was my week also just uh like trying to keep up with e3 and watching all the stuff coming in and uh and you know all that kind of thing how about you Roxanne? Um, I, I don't know. I have, like, probably only absorbed, like, 5 to 10% of the E3 coverage just because, you know, it's all, like, during the day and I, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> I've been at work doing that type of stuff. So I try to, like, catch up and, and look at the links on the site and things. But, 
Yeah, it's a lot of information in kind of a short period of time. So it's just been sort of overwhelming, I guess. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, but that's pretty, basically, we decided to come in. We only It's only been a week since our last podcast, but we knew there'd be a lot of information to discuss. So we're here just a week later, and that's pretty much going to be the focus of our whole podcast. But before we move on to that, let's do our host challenge. Fact. You know it to be true. Or fiction. That's impossible! I'm going to read three bits of information, or three leads about the game. Two of them will be made up or not yet confirmed. Only one will be a fact confirmed by Bioware. Your job is to pick out which one is true. Alright, here we go. Lead number one. At E3... BioWare introduced new companions for each class. Lead number two. There will be neither cooperation nor PvPing between factions during operations. Lead number three. James Olin is such a nice guy. He is usually the guy getting ganked by upper levels when he's questing in the lobby zones. So, after hearing all three leads, which one do you think is the confirmed fact? I think I know this one. What about you, Roxanne? I definitely do not know this one. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, well, I'm going to go with it. Although um, I would love to it to have been number one, I don't believe that they announced uh, new companions for every class. I that's think that's correct. the... Uh, it, was actually, it was actually only the Imperial, the Empire side. Yeah, I didn't think that was the operative word was every class. And from what I read, James Olin is quite the opposite. <laughs> He's not getting ganked. He's being the ganker. Yes, I believe. Didn't Daniel Erickson sort of call him out on that? On absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I'll go with number two. Yes, that is correct. Uh which was a little disappointing because we we still haven't we don't know remember when they were talking about the supposed what PVEVP or something like that where we thought there was going to be a combination of of PVE stuff plus PVP stuff and and um, this this little tidbit seems to be kind of putting that to rest for now at any rate so you won't be working together with the opposite faction which we kind of already knew. Um, but you will not be PvP in the middle of instances, apparently. Or, well, it's, he said operations, so, so maybe it's, uh, it actually, it could still happen in other places. So, anyway, very good. Uh, um, and I guess that's it. We're ready to move the latest news and tour. From the Newsnet. And, and we are... Okay, now starts the foot race. We have so much information to cover and so little time, unless we want this to be hours long. Um, I'll just want to mention a few of the trailers that we got to see. First and foremost, The Return. That's the new Blur Studios uh, trailer. It was the last one of the three in the series that they produced. What did you guys think about that one? Oh, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I love, I love the smuggler. I thought that, that I thought, well, I, whatever he is, that's what I'm going to be. Because I want to wear the hat. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Everyone I showed that trailer to had the same reaction, which is, this is so much better than the recent trilogy of movies that came out. <laughs> which I, I totally agree with that statement. 
I know. I could not believe the graphics in that game, uh, in that trailer, and, and to see how everything was put together, to see the storyline. I mean, it had me really excited. I want them to make a movie. I, <laughs> I yeah, do. You, you and everybody else. And in fact, you know, even if you think of, if you look at the other, I mean, we're going to talk about the Choose trailer next, where they show the. Um, what like, like clips from all three of the blur trailers i i really saw a difference between you know the quality of like the first one and then this one that just came out it's like oh gosh <laughs> it's gorgeous you know and i know and i thought that the first one was really good mm -hmm. but they yeah. just keep getting better i mean i just can't believe it it was probably the 90s hair which roxanne loves so much uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of a terrible hair the hair was dumb i'm glad he died <laughs> <laughs> But other than that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, well, the next trailer that we um, got to see was the Choose um, trailer um, that was originally on or exclusively on, I believe it was, was it exclusively on Origin.com? At least at the beginning, yes. Oh, okay. Um, and it was a mashup, like um, you said earlier, of all of the videos of the, you know, ones all together and it took pieces of each one as it was trying to tell the story and showing you the different things that were coming the combat and all those different things and right and it, and it featured jennifer hale i think right i think so yeah. did it yes yes she yes. so does the voice of um satil yeah so she, that was her in the return trailer as well mm -hmm. i remember in the first four seconds of that trailer and i heard her start talking i was like oh my god awesome <laughs> cool <laughs> And then we had the game features trailer that came out. Y'all have any comments about that? Not really. It was wonderful. We talked about it last week, didn't we? Yeah. No, yeah. I don't think so. Did we? Yeah, we might have actually. It might have come out. Uh, it, it probably the, did. Except then yeah. we were calling it the pre-E3 trailer, so we've yes. just changed Oh, the yes, I guess so. <laughs> there you go. Okay, and finally, the other trailer that came out was the Eternity Vault trailer. Now, I thought that trailer was really really good because i am anxious i was anxious to see what in game would look like you know in in an operation and i thought that the way they presented the trailer and the way they presented this particular operation and giving you this kind of a, a background history of it and letting you see where it went was just unbelievable i thought it was very good well, yeah, I really love the story of the planet Felsavis, and and since it was, you know, that information on that planet was released, I've been excited to see stuff. So, when when I when I realized that the Eternity Vault is happening there, that's the one with um, what the Republic when they landed on the planet, they, they they discover a secret underground prison, and there are all these scary creatures that that have been imprisoned there for who knows how long and and the republic notices that the, the, the i guess the barriers of the walls are have been compromised <laughs> so uh, um and and i think i think if you go to the planet uh the whole the whole net where they describe the planet history they talk about how the republic started using that prison to to, to capture or to hold empire you know, people that they they don't know what to do with. So when once the empire figured that out, then then you know they started getting angry, of course, and they want to go there also and get their guys back. So so it, it's great to see that coming out in in an endgame, and just and it's great to hear to hear something about endgame, which you know they've been saying they have. But this is the fact that they're finally starting to talk about it is very exciting. 
yeah, so many people were a little skeptical about the end game thing and to see it all and see how it all came together. Uh, it's just going to be unbelievable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, so what happened in E3, I felt like there was a lot of emphasis on showing the people who were there and the people who were following the coverage, they, just just lots and lots of gameplay, um, which is something I think that people were asking for. And 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 I re seem to remember when they were asked when Bioware was asking for suggestions for either maybe PAX, one of the PAXs or PAX East, saying what would you like to see? One, I think maybe the number one thing people requested was live live coverage, live footage, and um, and that's exactly. What? Well, I don't know if we got to see live footage. The, the, or the, the demos were live, that's true. So I feel like they, Bioware released up the complaint and gave us lots of that kind of thing through all these different venues. Um, one, of the, one of the first things before that happened was on their site, they had that Tatooine walkthrough with uh, Dallas Dickinson hosting. And he, this was kind of his um, you know, introduction to what you're going to be seeing while, while you're at E3. Uh, I... It was great. I thought it, they he did a they did a great job of putting together this situation where you're going to actually be able to see combat and kind of have it explained. Um, you know, here's the guy he's ceasing this mob, and the companion is rushing off to do that, and and uh, you really could get a sense of what the combat felt like, and you know how it isn't just it isn't just stand there, kill the guy, hit the guy, hit the guy, hit the guy, the one guy is dead, move on to the next. It was much more dynamic than that. Um, what did you what did you ladies think? Well, I thought that it felt so cool to sit there and watch the gameplay and see how things were done. The question, I mean, it had, it created a bunch of questions in my mind. For example, when the, the companion, you're fighting one and your companion goes off and fights the other, did you tell your companion to go that? Or what is the AI smart enough to know that you know, I've got this one under control, and so he goes off and shoots at another one. I mean, how did you figure that happened? Do you think he directed his companion to that? It went by so fast, it was hard yeah. for me to see. Yeah, I don't I don't know that they gave that kind of detail. They did point out that the, the companion will not just suddenly try to hit a mob that you have crowd controlled, so, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw that, and I thought that was very important, uh, that the uh, companion AI is intuitive enough to where if you have something crowd controlled, like a whirlwind or whatever, your companion's not right. going to break it. Right, I almost, felt, I almost felt like maybe he did command, because I felt like, like, was it is it Kem Vall? Is that who right. was in that? Right. He, the, his companion when he he started the attack, but then Kem Vall kind of came up and he he sort of aggroed one of the other guys who was starting to come. You know, I guess all three started to come after the uh, the Sith Inquisitor, but he just sort of went off and picked up two of them so that so that the Inquisitor wasn't having to deal with all of them at once. So, I, yeah, I don't. He I don't would know almost have was... had to have told his companion what to do. I mean, yeah, from what we've known about gameplay. When we played, Again. you know, you almost had to tell them exactly what to do. So, but I thought all that was really interesting. I mean, to see where you go and get your quest from and mm -hmm. to see how you, you know, ride your speeder bike through, you know. Right. To, That's to right. There. That was the first, was that the first thing we saw, time we saw those speeder bikes? I think so. Which, 
which <laughs> I don't know. I'm not I'm not sold on this new design, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people will call them what segways. But I but I think they actually just look more like like Wave Runners or something. Do you remember that video game Wave Runner? <laughs> That's what I kept thinking of when we were seeing the uh, the, the the footage of the speeder bike, but. But oh, see, well. I really like the wave runner that goes the speed of like a ride-on mower. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. <laughs> Maybe I your really epic like mower it. Will be much faster. <laughs> yeah, I like the looks of it. I mean, I think I think that you know by making it smaller, I always you know uh, when you think of a speeder, you think of it this big vehicle. Yeah, and to me, oh, this think? makes it really easy to to visualize, and it's very small. The only thing that I didn't like is it doesn't show your companion on there with you. Oh, good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your <laughs> companion, all you jump on your speeder and poof, your companion just disappears. Like, what the heck? Oh, that is sort of funny, but it might look weirder. I don't know. It might look weirder to have him hanging on the end or something. Also, no, they would they would like have to put their arms around your waist, and it would be awesome. Like, Let's go, Kimball! Woo! <laughs> or standing side by side beside you. That's not how you ride on a motorcycle with someone, though. But like, this is not a motorcycle. That's right. You could have like you know the what's the Batman when he has the motorcycle? There's a little sidecar. You could have. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> sidecar city. Did you notice um, in the video when they were doing the multiplayer dialogue that there were actually these, you know, if somebody would win um, a role, there would be this little icon that popped up on the bottom, like a little rectangle, and it, and it, and it showed that you won plus four social points. And when you um, and when you did something like a, a dark or a light side thing, another little rectangle would come in. It would say something like, I think it even said something like plus 30 dark side points or something like 30 that. 30 sounds so like an awful lot. It was <laughs> it was high. It was like a two-digit number. So that, it, that did And you got this out. really dramatic, like, color bleed that took up the entire screen. Yes. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yes. whoa. <laughs> uh, um, what but, I love but, about that system is that you get you get points based on your personal choice, which is so great for, like, you know, ramifications in real life. So if you murder someone, but you personally didn't think that was the right thing to do, then you still get light points, even though yeah. you did nothing to stop it. <laughs> yeah, there's no accessory to the crime or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that was new, Carla. Do you remember seeing that in Austin, Texas, like a little little square that appeared at the bottom of your screen? I didn't remember it being a square, yeah. but I do I, remember reading and, and seeing... That social points. I mean, when you made a decision, you got some sort of social points. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, and then of course, you know, at the at the end, they we have we have zombies. So how how fantastic is that? <laughs> I know. I could not believe that I saw. I mean, you're sitting here and you're watching this, and I saw these these people turn into zombies, and I'm like. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, a little, a little uh, crossover genre here. <laughs> but I thought it was appropriate. It didn't seem like it didn't fit. In other words, it felt like it fit. You know, I'm pretty yeah. sure that if you include zombies in your game, you get some sort of like tax write-off because literally <laughs> every game, like you know, the the Call of Duty that has the zombies and Red Dead Redemption with zombies and now Tor with zombies, it's like <laughs> well, got to be something. At least it wasn't vampires. 
Ah, very true. Very true. <laughs> what is this, 2008? <laughs> ah, Lord. Okay, well, then that takes us to um, the next um, video, um, and it's a was a live presentation by Daniel Erickson on Tatooine, and it was about 40 minutes long, and he took all kinds of questions, and God bless Casey Cullen on our website. I mean, he went and, and provided this transcription of the entire 40 minute conversation and it yeah. was really great. So y'all can visit, we'll have a link to that so you can visit it and see it on our website. What'd y'all think right. about that? Well, of course. I mean, I think right off, did we not meet Blizz, the little Jawa companion? I know, you know, but I could not help. I mean, they said that it had really had nothing to do with the naming scheme. But the first thing when they said the word Blizz, I couldn't help but chuckle, thinking, aha, there's the punted blizzard. <laughs> well, I know, although everyone is, there's there's multiple denials going on, so we may have to take them at their word. <laughs> well, course, I do take the them at their word, but I'm just telling you what my first thought was. Yep. <laughs> you know, too. of course I believe that they named it because of something else, but <laughs> sure looked funny. But it was so appropriate for him, don't you think? For the for the bounty for, hunter? For the little Jawa. His yeah. name. Oh oh yes, I guess so. I thought it was very appropriate. Yeah, he was cute. I want one. Now so now I have to play bounty hunter. There you go. <laughs> um, did you catch when Daniel Erickson talked about when he uh, he said something about the companions are getting one more big rehaul, which will bring dramatic changes? Um, I didn't catch remember? that. Yeah, he says that in the in that video at one point. And and Carla, do you remember him saying something very similar at the Fansite Summit in Austin at the end of April? He said he said companions are gonna gonna be getting something very they're gonna they're what was it um we're gonna think about our companions in a completely different way than we have thought about them before it was something along those lines so the dramatic overhaul is that um that you're not gonna be able to allow the quest with them and they're just gonna be on your ship oh <laughs> oh no 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 no, no. It'll be the final, the final tier of scaling back <laughs> for the companions. <laughs> well, I do remember that conversation. Now they're just legit, like, NPCs. From the Fanside Summit. But I did not catch it in this interview. So that yeah. that's a pretty good catch. But yeah. it makes me wonder what they could possibly do that would change the way we think about our companions. Because, yeah, you know, I've always thought that, you know... I, Y'all remember, I did not want to play with companions. I thought, oh my God, please don't make me control something else. I really didn't want it. And now I've really gotten into the fact that I want to play with companions. Then they take them away from me. <laughs> for when I need them the most for, you know, your war fronts and, well, we're not for sure about the war fronts and the, the operations yet. I don't think we know 100% that they're not going to be there, but... Uh, you know, right? I think they're leaning towards that way. <laughs> so yeah, they're still they're still holding that line of we don't want them in war zones or operations, but they're okay in flashpoints uh, still. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I'm fine with that. I think that that's, that seems like the right balance. But um, if they're supposed to, I still have a problem with that. If they're supposed to be an extenuation <laughs> of you and you've leveled with them all 50 levels and now you're saying, you, oops, we can't use them. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I like that idea. Well, I guess, I, I guess I see companions. One way to look at them is that they actually help you to be um, more flexible in groups. So if like for the, for the flashpoints, you know, you can, you can fulfill a certain role and have and have your companion help you in that role, but for a raid when there's a lot of people, I don't think you you're you're going to have your role and you're not going to need the companion to compensate for something that you are weaker in. So we might. I think it's going to be okay. You haven't been in well, some of the raids I've been in. Um, that is true. <laughs> and oh no one God. has been in raids and tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, well, you know, we'll, we'll find out when we find out, but, but, uh, it definitely seems like there's something going to be happening. That's... And, you know, any decision that they're making about literally every game system, but especially companions is the result of, you know, their game testers and stuff. So they're not going to do something that is crazy unbalancing. I wouldn't know. I'm not in testing. <laughs> 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 so so anyway moving on the other big reveal i think in that 40 minute thing was maybe one of them was the that medical droid thing i thought that was when awesome you, yeah after you dine um and i think the, what it's intended for is well because it's to help you in, when you're in those situations when you're really far away from the med center <laughs> and uh, and you can just it's basically kind of a, not an instant res but it's just something you can on and, and apparently there's some kind of cooldown, but they're still fiddling around with the timing. Did Georg Zoller talk about that in the uh, Duck Tracker? I think he did. Yeah, was it like, I think it was something like the first time. It's like one minute. Seconds? I mean, the first time it's, you know, and then the next one it's one minute, then three minutes, then six minutes, then ten minutes. Or, I don't know, did he say that or was that somebody's suggestion? I can't remember. I... Don't have it here <laughs> well, at my fingertips. So so anyway, yes. And of course there's some, you know, people are concerned it's gonna to be too easy and you know, I really think that's silly. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. that uh, because it was pretty and he I think he goes on to explain. He said, Look, this is what's you know, you have to understand the situation. You're questing in an area and sometimes you're really far away and because it's not a corpse run, it's a you res in the med center and now you have to fight your way back. Um, it can be, it would be, it can be really awful, which Carly, you and I know. Oh, we got, we experienced <laughs> that firsthand at the Fence yeah. Summit. I mean, because we happened to be at the opposite end of the map from where the med center was. And it, you went through bunches and bunches and bunches yeah. of mobs and yeah, you had to go re-clear like, them. Yeah, it was literally like another five to ten minutes of clearing to get back to where you died. So... This is their way of, of working with that, which I think is good. Yeah, um, I think I it's really good. Um, and then didn't he mention also in this video that um, as long as one person stays alive, they can res everybody? Or was that oh, in this video? I can't remember if that was this video or not. But I, but I think that is true. I can't remember. 
Oh well, so much, so much information. So many. I know. Too many. Too many. <laughs> um, the uh, this was also the first time I think that we got to see the skill trees. He popped up. Daniel popped up his skill tree thing, and you could see, it, and it looked very similar to the skill trees. And wow. Um, and I, I think I counted. It looks like there's about 20 abilities in each of the trees. Uh, so just to give you an idea of how how that's going to work as you're leveling. Um, is there anything else? Mm-mm. I think that was pretty complete. Okay, well, you can go and watch that on our site. We have the, the full 40 minutes, I think. I think it's 41 minutes of, of Daniel just chatting with us and answering questions. It was pretty enjoyable. Um, next was James Olin and his playthrough on Tatooine also, and he talked to game trailers uh, and they basically, it was, you know, he just kind of talked a lot about the stuff we already know, the importance of story, and he just explained how, you know, the the early stuff of starting. Um, he did show off, he taught, he was really proud of the new interface, and said they were going more for a sci-fi feel. Um, and I think what was, oh, one of the things that I caught was he said that Tatooine, just the one zone of Tatooine alone, is is bigger than all of the exploration territory of the whole Dragon Age game. So that was pretty, you know. Which Dragon the, Age? Yeah, I don't know if he meant the whole Dragon Age game, meaning one and two, but... Or two is or a lot smaller one. than one, is it? which is, is one it? of the complaints that people had about two. They're like, there's right. probably like, I don't know, like, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think there's probably like seven zones in Dragon Age 2. Uh -huh, there's not uh -huh. tons, and they're like smallish, but yeah. So if you'd been conducting the interview, you'd have been like, well, which one? Which James one, Olin? James Olin? And I would say in that voice and get slapped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just stare at him so with now, like goofy eyes and, and then like, I love you and everything you do. Tatooine <laughs> right, so. is also nice. <laughs> so now I do not know whether to be impressed or not, but anyway, take that from <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess one of the oh I, another thought I think that I thought was interesting he said at level cap there are going to be lots of repeatable quests that are focused on the war between empire and republic does that does that sound like dailies to you mm-hmm yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking also. Um, and then he, one of the things he said, which you know makes us feel good, is right now you can play the game from beginning to end, which is nice. Yeah, I was really excited to hear him say that, because yeah. that means it's ready to rock almost. Yeah, that's what we're hoping anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think that wraps up that, that oh, video. Okay, well the next one is um, the gameplay demo of Alderaan with Daniel Erickson from GameSpot. And... I really love everything that we're seeing come out. I mean, I, I keep saying I love this, I love this, I love this, but we got so much information out of E3. <laughs> I feel like my mind has been blown. But anyway, this one is about raiding the castle and taking down King, uh, what is it, Boris Ulgo. Um, and that was, isn't he like a world boss? Isn't that how they, how they described him? Oh, did they? Oh, I don't well, know. Isn't maybe. I remember that we when, remember one of the biographies updates. He was in one of those. So I remember that. So and it showed his the, the that whole throne room and how it, it was well, damaged and stuff. Right. Actually, I think you're right because this is a this was a world arc quest. Right. Is that what you meant? Yes. So that's what we were seeing in this video, which I thought was it was fantastic. It was so fascinating. 
Absolutely. Um, I loved how, and of course, this, do you feel like Daniel Erickson, he was like basically the show pony for the whole, <laughs> for all of E3, like every interview is Daniel Erickson, Daniel Erickson, <laughs> which I thinking, I keep thinking of what was that when I think when they did that UK event, the hands on and he, and the Q&A, he said, basically, I'm marketing's bitch. <laughs> I was like, well, that's <laughs> exactly. really true now. <laughs> but he's so good at it, you know. <laughs> well, he's so but, personable. Uh, Right, right. So what I loved, what he said in this interview um, was how they were emphasizing the fact that there's lots and lots of group content that doesn't just happen in an instance or just in an operations or raids or whatever you want to call them. He said, yeah, these are just going to kind of be out there. They're going to be these, these really fun and intricate things. And, you know, it ran that this, what we saw in the video, it ran like, like a like a raid or a, or a high level dungeon. I mean, it was the coordination of the group and, and they talked about how Olgo is going to have different phases and then you have the puzzles, you have to hit, take out the generators. And I was just like, man, this is like stuff they're just like throwing in, you know, outside the set pieces of the dungeons. It's like a whole, it's a whole another group to do in this game. I was just so excited. Yeah, I was very excited to see that we don't just have your raids we don't just have the operations we don't you know we don't just have the the instances that we're running our flashpoints but we're having other things in the world and i think that there's going to be so much to do we're not going to know what to do first <laughs> honest right. to goodness yeah uh, definitely um there's there was also some other little, I think we have an audio clip where he says something that I thought was really fascinating, and I'm not sure if I'm interpreting interpreting this correctly, but can you play that for us, Carl? Sure. One of the big important things for here is this is all, again, it's not a flashpoint. This is something you can come do with your friends, or you could have come and done yourself. If you'd done it yourself, it would have been a very different difficulty scale, obviously. We bump it up to say, hey, you're with a group. We know you're going to want to do some big, cool stuff. So we raise the difficulty level of the whole area. Wow. So... What does that sound like he's talking about to you? It sounds to me like you can either do it solo or as a group for certain things. I don't believe he means everything. I... Well, he was talking specifically about this about all right, right. thing. So, so, I mean, it's to me, it, I don't think this is the same thing as when you're 20 levels higher, you go in and you try to solo a dungeon that you're over level for. It sounded to me that he was talking about the game is designed to scale to like a solo person versus a group at the proper level. That's kind of how I was interpreting it. Did, did you have a different explanation? That's a really interesting idea because that gets rid of the ability for, you know, like how you could power level low people through areas, which you won't be able to do if it scales to being with a group. Hmm. Yeah, you're thinking of that, what's that, sidekicking? Uh, in I'm not thinking of psychicing. I'm just thinking oh. of like in WoW. If you're like, let's get rid of all of oh. like the farm quests in Westfall, and you have a group of people, but you know they're 30 and you're 14, you just do all of them. But like, because right. this isn't a flashpoint, it's just a, it's just an arc of quests. But they're saying that what it scales when you're in a group versus if you were alone. It kind of sounds that way to me. I mean, he says, oh, it, it definitely, solo. that is definitely what he's saying. I think it's yeah. like plain as day. <laughs> I think so too, but I, so I'm really excited. I just, you know, don't know. I'm afraid to be excited because it sounds, it sounds so great that I, that I'll be really disappointed if it's something different. I know. I can't wait to hear more about that particular thing. And also while we're on the subject of, of Daniel Erickson and, 
and his role. I wanted to give a shout out to Blue Neko from Two Tour Gamers with Mikes because they posted the most adorable photo of her kissing Daniel Erickson's head or or putting her cheek on his head or or something I it just blew me away I thought that was just precious and for him to get down on his knees and let her do that was just amazing that just shows you what kind of a guy he is uh Daniel Erickson is a mensch he's just such a good guy <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and just really is you know he's, he's such a <laughs> anyway, yes, I think we're all a little bit in love with him. Absolutely. When he says these things. Um, anyway, all right. Well, I think was there anything else about this video? I, if you haven't watched it, definitely go watch it. We'll have a link because there's. That's just it's it's one of the better videos that I think came out of D3. Absolutely. All right. Well, now I, they, we we have a lot of different things on our site. And there were a lot of interviews, a lot of videos, and right now we're just going to kind of go through some of the broad topics and, and try to sort of get uh, aggregate the, the new information we learned on a bunch of these subjects. Let's start with release date and testing. Um, we The testing part, Daniel Erickson said in a GameSpot interview that there probably will not be open beta, which I know a lot of people were upset about um, and, or sad about and I think the reason he gave was just that it's just too big it's gonna be too popular and they can't say you know anybody who wants to play come on and play um, Carla do you have a reaction to that you have more experience testing I don't like it and it's not because I can't be an open beta okay I, I just think that it's almost become standard for games to have a little mini open beta even if it's just a you know a few days or a week or whatever because it it's like it throws that hook out there and you just reel them in they go and they buy the game and they you know sign up and get their subscription and you know go on I, and it also it tests their servers and the load on their servers and but it has so many things that I'm 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 kind of afraid for them not to have it, and then I would worry about launch day, because I have seen good launches and bad launches of games, and I would want to know that the very first day that that game comes out, that the servers are going to be stable. They're going to they're well prepared for the number of servers that they're going to have to have, and that they're all stable and running well. And I think open beta is almost needed. And I mean, they know more about this than I do. I'm just a gamer, you know. I'm just a player. But open beta just makes so much sense to me. I know that. I guess that's the main reason that makes that I worry. Just the fact, like, well, I hope then that their closed testing will just be huge by the end, where they really are going to be able to test the servers and all that kind of thing. But, but yeah, like you, I just kind of have to trust in them that they that they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, you know, release date and testing. There were some. There were a couple of videos. One was Darth Vader interviewed. Or, the Razor people who are making these peripherals, uh, Star Wars the themed peripherals for the game. Um, and I actually saw another interview, I can't remember by who, but also with Razor. And 
and in both of those, the guy kind of sort of offhandedly says, oh, yeah, these will be ready, you know, by release, we're thinking November. So, of course, guess what people are thinking? <laughs> November! <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know, Is you know, so we just have to kind of wonder, is this just the Razor guy? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know, right? He's works for Razor, but, but is it the kind of thing where he's just saying these things off the top of his head, or does he actually he actually heard something so i don't know it's it doesn't seem like you can count this as as confirmation of anything it's more like something you just file in the back of your head to, why to you know you can <laughs> almost rest assured that riser was told okay if you're going to do this it needs to be ready by launch and launch is going to be targeted for x month or x day mm -hmm. or whatever I mean, so I think, you know, it's got to be pretty legitimate. I mean, I don't think he just mm -hmm. made that up and, and dropped it out of his head or something. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think that November date seems very reasonable to me. But and so, all right. Well, then the last thing is in in the subject area is that Daniel Erickson, in his in an interview with IGN, did say that release date will probably be announced before pricing model details. So so I guess that means we can stop asking about pricing before we know the release date. <laughs> and I think that, that ties it up for the, for the information on that subject. What's next? And it looks like um, they also mentioned the dark and light side and what gear will be available. Well, they didn't say what gear, but that gear will be available depending upon what type of score you have in reference to your dark points or light points. Mm -hmm. um, and it all they also said that there is going to be certain abilities that will be unlocked in your skill tree depending upon your light points and dark points. So I kind of thought that was really interesting and Especially I thought the abilities part. Yeah. Yeah, the abilities part. I I, I mean I I think the armor and, and and you know gear is kind of cool, but I think the abilities it, now it makes me wonder, okay, do I want to go really dark or do I want to go light or you know or do I want to stay in the middle or you know, well, I know. what are you going to make those decisions based on the gear are you going to make it based on what you want your story to be I'm going to make it based on what I want my story to be because I, I think that the gear is cool but mm -hmm. I don't want to catch myself you know making decisions just to get a certain piece of gear I don't well, like how that about idea. You get a certain ability. Now that I might lean more towards. Yeah, I think I might too. Also, you know, <laughs> the gear is not the one that, that hooks me. It, it's the abilities. So, right. but I'd, I'd want to know what they were, and that means I have to see the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as per our last podcast. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Roxanne and Kotor, there were yes. definitely like dark side, light side abilities, weren't there? Yes. Um, so yeah, and there was also them. gear that was determined by dark side, light side. So yeah, if you're curious to how this is going to work, just play the Kotor games. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of these days I'll finish it. Um, oh, I didn't mention this, but I also noticed in the. Um, I think maybe the Dallas Dickinson walkthrough when they showed your character sheet, there was a there's like a a bar sort of graph that was exactly like the Kotor light dark side slide. Thing. Yeah. I said, oh, that looks familiar. Oh, so you <laughs> so, can visually see how far yeah. light and dark you are. Exactly. Yep. So it's like it you just yeah it's not just a number it's actually like visual. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah that's, I thought that was neat. 
Um, okay, well, next we Our... heard a little bit. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. We heard a little bit about um, open PVP. Uh, um, it sounds like on PVP servers there will be open world PVP. I think people were worried about that, weren't they? It sounds like you're just going to be able, I think Tatooine, they said, was one of the first huge open worlds where both factions are there and that there's no, there's not a lot of, you know, guards or police to keep the peace. So I, I, did, did Daniel call it, I think he called it a murder field or something like mm -hmm. that. <laughs> so, but, you know, I never would have thought that there would not be open world PVP on a PVP server. What I was I excited to hear is that there's going to be zones on PVE servers that you can go into for PvP. I hope yeah, it's not like that. a war zone. You know, I hope it's something more than that. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I, I think that were some people, there were some people who thought there would be PvP. So that's we've definitely, and they keep saying they didn't want to talk about it. So it was nice to hear them talk about it. But absolutely. Well, that takes us down to raids or AKA operations. I'm going to have a tough time making the transition from using the word raids to operations. Although I like the word operations. That's kind of, kind of cool. Um, they're not sure about the size of the raids. Um, they mentioned that the, right now they have eight man as the size, but they definitely are going to have something higher or a larger number. But they just have not determined what that is yet. Yeah, so. I don't know. Did they say definitely it's going to be higher? But I think they said definitely there are right now groups that are higher. But I don't know if they've even confirmed that they'll be bigger than eight or not. Yeah, hmm. Daniel Erickson said that. He just said it, pretty much exactly what Carla said. That it's like okay. there's going to be more than eight, but we don't know what more than eight means. Okay. <laughs> uh, Good. I didn't think so I dreamed that. Let's, let's go to the Attorney Vault trailer and try to count all the people. <laughs> yeah. I think that Darth Vader did that. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They are so good. They are so good. I love those guys. They're dissections. Yes, I have to. I've been remiss. I haven't been there yet just to see what they've dug up. But uh, yeah, well, what, what size group do you guys like? Well, Roxanne, you probably don't know what you would like. But, but Carla, um, you know, eight man, you want 12, you want 16, you want 20? You know, it really. Uh, as long as it's under 20, I, I really don't have a preference one way or the other because I think that it's not, as long as they have more than one. In other words, like they have an 8-man and then they have a 16, mm -hmm. you know, or a 20. In other words, have two different uh, uh, number of groups yeah. so that right. if one at one time you can only get eight people together, you can go do this. Or another time, if you have 16, you can get together and go do this. I don't right, want to be limited be, to one size. It would be the same instance, and you would get better gear for the hard to Right, yeah, right. I'd like to see that. Um, yeah, I like 16. I 20 to me sounds like it's starting to get big, but I, I really am starting to prefer the, the smaller the smaller groups. And, and I think I, I get the feeling that they're, that with the advanced classes that you're, it's not going to be – there's going to be a wider variety in the kind of people, so you won't have these really specified – you know, you are only in this one tiny little role in this, so now that's your role. But I think rather they have people who are slightly more flexible, which to me, to me kind of means that you won't need to have, like, these huge rates. You can do it with 16. Um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. Right. <laughs> um, I also like that they said uh, about the, the early operations for, like, the people who are first starting. 
are they don't want them to be the kind of thing where they just walk in and get you know smacked down and squished. Uh, they want to have like an entry level sort of feel for it so people get used to the ideas. What do you think they mean by that? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a do I well. I almost think that it could mean something like either there's, like we talked about last time, the difficulty settings. So you can go in and there's maybe the beginner setting. <laughs> or or there's like a whole raid, like the first raid maybe is like a, a much simpler and more easily learned raid that you will that you will do. And then when you get better, you'll move on to a, a, a separate one that, that now that you're experienced. Now you're ready for the for the quote real or the the, the, the tougher ones. So I that's, that's yeah. See, I didn't know whether it was going to be what we talked about last week, where it had the the you know the, the beginning level, then we have an intermediate, then we have a an expert or hard level. I didn't know if it meant that or if it meant that. Okay, here's the first raid that you do um, to graduate up to another particular raid that's a little harder. You start with this one and you can run this one on casual or beginner mm -hmm. level and then intermediate and then hard mode and then move up to the next level. Not saying that you can't immediately go to the next one, but this one's the one you break your teeth in on. Right. Yeah. I think it's definitely something like just the mechanics of the fight are going to be pretty basic, straightforward. Mm -hmm. And Good you're name. probably right. Although when you hear when, it, when going back to what we heard Daniel Erickson say about the you know here's the here's Alderaan and you can go in there with your group and it knows that you're in a group or you go in as a soloer and it knows that you're a soloer so it could be yeah. the kind of thing where it, it's just yeah I don't know <laughs> oh, remember in spectators. Diablo when you played with other people the right. enemies were harder. It's like, Kathy has joined your game, the enemies grow stronger. Yes, so it's, just, yes. it's like a real basic scaling mechanic. Or... Yeah, do they, that's yeah, kind of I mean, what I think actually, of. I actually never knew what that meant. Did that just, I always thought it just meant more more monsters, but were they actually scaling them up in terms of like health and damage? Yeah. Well, yeah, so, if, I don't know, we'll see. Well, uh, then let's see, they talk about um, the operations being repeatable. Right. Which was a good thing. Um, and then we go back, I think we mentioned this earlier, that there's no cooperation or PvPing between factions in operations. Right. And, and no, no insta-teleport to flashpoints, no meeting stones. Oh, I know. That? Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I can understand maybe not insta-teleportation, for example, like right now if you go in and you do an instance in Rift. Mm -hmm. um, the first person that gets there, if they enter in, everybody immediately gets teleported inside the instance oh, right. the minute that first person walks in. Um, where, like in WoW, you have your... What's um, wrong with that, though? <laughs> I like that. I like it, too. I mean, because that way, you know, if we're on different worlds, I mean, you know, then you get that whole thing like I'm on the boat, you know, <laughs> all right, I just got on, I'm on the dock, I'm riding to the flight master. <laughs> I mean, it can be take for, I can take forever to gather a group. So I, and they kind of, they kind of sort of shape it in this idea of some kind of communication socialization thing. And I, I really didn't understand what, what that, you know, we want people to communicate and I, I didn't really understand what one had to do with the other. 
<laughs> no, I didn't either, but I'm really concerned now that, that, you know, they're talking about no instant teleportation. I mean, because if there's no meeting stone, which, you know, they, and wow, you have meeting stones and you can summon anybody to that particular meeting stone so that, which is normally located right outside their instance. Um, I loved those. I loved those. Oh, I did too. I did too. I thought that that was a great way to get, you know, people that may be across the, the world mm -hmm. there very quickly. And yeah. then Rift decided to take it, in, you know, into a different direction to where, you know, if you, one person enters, the boom, everybody goes in. I, I love that idea too. I mean, yeah, but to I say none, I'm really concerned about that. Well, maybe they'll just have something else that we haven't thought of. So. Well, they may have something else they haven't told us about. Right, exactly. Um, all right, well, let's move on to companions. Uh, we got each of the Imperial classes got one new companion announced. The uh, Blizz we already talked about. Uh, the Sith Inquisitor gets Zalek. I can't remember who that is. Um, the Sith Warrior got kind of a stormtrooper-y kind of guy, Lieutenant Pierce. My favorite one was the Imperial Agents. I thought of you, Carla. Uh, is the Scorpio, which is a droid that apparently just hates you and wants to kill you. <laughs> Which I thought that's going to be entertaining for, for role-playing. Um, is this going to be a, a companion you'll be wanting to play with a lot? I don't know if she wants to kill me all the time. And by the way, this is the introduction to the first female droid. Oh, is that right? That's right. Oh, is that, is Do that droids have way? gender? Come on. <laughs> well, this droid has boobs anyway. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Which I thought was strange, actually. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that I would play this particular companion. I really am looking forward to playing all the different ones to see. I mean, I'm sure we're all going to have our favorite. You know. Yeah, well, I, I think this is maybe sort of an attempt to bring um, an HK-47 type companion. I was going to say, it. like, yeah, a sexy HK. <laughs> yeah, I made it to KOTOR to the point where you get HK, and I have to say that he <laughs> just is very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I could see why people really liked him. Um, so, well, that was that was a, a com one of the companion things we learned. Another one was kind of this back-and-forth thing, and we're where first James Olin tells Machinima that you're going to have a, a maximum of five total companions, um, which, you know, is one thing. And then, and then do you remember this, Carla? I think we saw Tor Wars tweeted about that, didn't they? And they, said, and they, they said, did. They tweeted yeah. that, that James Olin just confirmed it. And then what happens next is that David Bass replies to that tweet, and what did he say? Something he said, like, that's not necessarily true. Or something right. along that line. Right. And I'm paraphrasing. So now we're thinking, oh, you know, poor James Olin. He's like the, you know, he's like the big picture guy. He must have, you know, gotten lost and didn't understand the number of companions. Um, but shortly after that, I believe Stephen Reed went on the dev tracker and he essentially confirmed the five companion max thing. With the exception, there was a small caveat. He said, "You every person will also have a ship droid." So, and I guess I assume he just stays on the ship, so it doesn't so like, count as a full companion. Just to clarify, does that mean that you have five slots for companions, but there could be like eleven companions in the game, but you can only have like five on your ship? Ooh, oh, that's a good perspective. Because I was just sitting here, uh, you know, we I had said something to Kathy, I think, about, about this. Or maybe someone else, I, I can't remember, but um, I thought we were able to have 10, 12 companions, mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's being, we're being told we can have five. So, so 
Maybe it's when you are encountering more. Go ahead, Roxanne. In Baldur's Gate, because I think you could have, you, you had six slots and one was you. So it was five uh, NPCs that could hang out with you. But there are probably, yeah, around like ten maybe more uh, NPC characters that could be your companions. So you just had to like make decisions and you could like drop people off and, and pick new people. I, the difference between that is that if they were in your group, if they took up a, one of those five slots, they were in your party all the time. And we already have like the active slot as one. So like I don't really see the benefit in having more than five companions, but only like letting five be on your ship. Uh, right, but, no. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the dev tracker. Stephen Reed says, right now you'll be able to have up to five unique companions per character in the Old Republic. And then he talks about the droid on the ship. So to me that sounds like, you know, this with this first iteration of the game, at, you're going to have up to five, period. But are we going to yeah, have I mean, more cross That doesn't mean path. that there are only five in the world, though. Because have five just means, like, yeah, you can have Yeah, because you don't always have ship. to, well, so how does it work? Do you accept them as your companion, or do you say, yeah. I don't like you, and then you leave, and you don't... But what back. happens if you made a mistake? You know, here I go again, the uh, overthinking things, but let's say you have, you can accept this companion and you decide, oh man, this is really a kind of a crappy companion. I'm going to let you go and I'm going to get another one as it, you know, they, it presents itself. And then I realize, oh, that wasn't so crappy after all. This guy's really crappy. Can you go back <laughs> and get your other one? You know what I mean? So yeah, my, uh, my dad did something weird like that in Dragon Age where like, he did the quest where you find Zevron, who is like this awesome elven assassin guy who sounds like Antonio Banderas for some reason. <laughs> and you like, and he can join your party, but he like didn't want to give up a party slot, so he was like, "Be on your merry way, sir." And then like never saw that character again. <laughs> and I was like, "What do you think of Zevron?" He's like, "I don't know who that is." <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> oh no! See, that's what that would be my concern is that. I would run across the ultimate companion, and I'd make a wrong decision and send him packing and uh, be kicking myself later. Don't make the wrong decision. Uh -huh, like we're going to know how. Well, <laughs> use your intuition. I don't know. Choices matter, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, though, because we haven't really heard about that. Maybe that's hopefully when we get this big release from Daniel Erickson about companions and how they're totally different, we'll find more out. But yeah, we don't know what happens when you meet somebody who is a companion and you, you know, reject them, essentially, or just, you know, are not interested in you leave them. If you come back later, they still can be there. We don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, enough about companions. Yeah, no kidding. Um, let's see. The next section is multiplayer dialogue, and it talks about the dialogue wheel and the position of the choices, and I really don't care where the position is. What about you? Oh, I do. You know why? Because, well, because you can't tell. Because I, I, this was my experience playing the game in Austin, is that I couldn't tell what necessarily what was the nice choice and what was the mean or middle or the road choice by reading the text and when they're when they're doing this thing where they put the your i don't know your most expected based on your class you know that's right. the one that's at top i think it's tough though when when um i mean for instance in that that the the developer tatooine walkthrough you have 
the, the conversation and your dialogue wheel comes up and your first choice is not until I'm done with you. And the second one is I have data that will help. And then the third one is too bad. And then it's sort of like, well, I can tell that I have data that will help is the good one. But I can't really tell. I think that not until I'm done with you and too bad are sort of equally snarky. And, you know, so it's kind of, I think it, and if you can't tell by the position on the, the conversation wheel, you know, how are you going to be making your decisions? Well, I think that they should be standard. In other words, you know, good, neutral, bad, or bad, neutral, good. I mean, I think they should always be in the same position for every well, class because I just think that it would be too confusing. Well, I agree are, with you. Yeah, they are when you're going to actually get light points or dark points. That is ridiculous. So, I think they should always so they're not be standard. Even, they're not yeah. even consistent within a class. Correct. <laughs> so you can't. That that's what I. That's what I'm saying. This is why this is an issue that interests me because I think it's tough. I don't. I, it, it's going to be tough if you care, um, and and maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, because these you're only going to get light, light side, dark side points on certain responses. But but sometimes I think it's not clear from the little short paragraph or this little short sentence, what, you know, how your character is going to say something. And if you can't go by the words and you can't go by the position on the wheel, it's basically the same as random rolling well, your response, I think. Why would you not keep it in the same for every class? I mean, to say it's class-specific, um, or even, even maybe, you know, Republic so like versus Empire, yeah. I, I, I think that it well, should be in the same position for every class and both sides so that when you know where it is. I mean, you know, okay, I'm going to choose. I mean, yeah, there are going to be some people that are going to press one, 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 you know. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Um, but I just want to know where it is. I want to know that I'm making the right decision. And well, how am I going to know that if I flip it? They are encouraging us to play all the different classes if I jump from playing a Republic character over here and doing an Empire character over here, and they're in completely different spots, I'm not going to know which decision I should actually make. Right. That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> so it, no, they absolutely uh, need to be locked decision, uh, positionally just because... Um, you know, you want to spend as little time interfacing with that system as possible. If you have to spend like 10 seconds figuring out what the thing means, then that system is, has failed in everything it has done correctly to this point, which is to break down things based on intention, to make it really seamless and quick, and so that first you understand what everything means, and then you can choose what you actually want to do. You don't want it to be like a puzzle where you're like, I can't pick the one I want. That's well, yeah. just foolish. <laughs> and, and you know how it is when you're when you're typing in chat or on Skype. Sometimes someone says something and you can't tell what they mean by the words. You know, you can't, there's like there it, it could be open into to interpretation. Um, mm -hmm. And well, <laughs> Carla, we had this, this dumb Skype argument. Not it wasn't an argument, an exchange where you said. Um, something, and then I go, and then I was like, well, when I say um, that means I, all right, I'll, I'll agree with you, but I think it's stupid. And you're like, no, I was using um to mean I'm thinking. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but when you're thinking, you say hmm, not um. So I just feel like 
I just feel like when you have these, um, these little, it was like the dumbest conversation it was. ever. Had. <laughs> uh, but it just, but yes, I mean that's kind of what happens when you see these. I mean, too bad that that, and depending on how you say "too bad," that could be being nice or not being nice. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Other- um, yeah. Uh, if you've ever played Dragon Age 2, which I know no one here has, like, they they also have the conversation wheel thing, but they have icons that delineate certain things. So you'll have, like, an olive branch, which means peaceful, or, like, an angry red fist, which means, like, aggressive. Mm. You have a, a picture of a head, which means appeal to a companion, uh, and usually that appears, like, off to the left, not on the right side. And that, Or they'll have, like, a bag of money, which means to barter. So... Because, um, you know, the dialogue, the story situations that you're in aren't, can't always be expressed in as black and white colors as like, grr, angry, and like, peace. (laughs) Those are really useful to be like, okay, you know what, there's more than three options, but we're going to help you out with these icons. I feel like mixing, getting rid of, or not having icons, and switching the position of all those things and still only giving you three words to figure out what you're trying to say is, at that point, you might as well go back to writing out the entire line of text for the amount of time it's going to take to decipher what you mean. I like that icon idea. That would be that would be really. That's very visual. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to trick people into saying things they don't mean to <laughs> or what. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was just surprised to see the system still in place. And that I don't hear anyone talking about it. No one, aside from me and maybe you two, seem to have a problem with the system that can that seems so open to interpretation. But I so. don't think that people are really thinking about it. And, and if they really do and, and actually put it into playing perspective, and especially since you're damn decisions mean something well, you know again, as they said that when when it does actually which you're going to earn darker light side points then it's more obvious the light choice is always on the top then why not just log it all the time right yeah good, why good make question. it so hard well i think maybe originally they were trying to make it so that people actually had to read the options you know they didn't want you to just go get into this thing where you're going want you know i always went i'm going to play light side i always just click the top choice and they're trying to sort of force people into actually paying attention to what was going on so i think maybe that was the original but i don't know anybody that would just blindly press one 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 every single time if your decision matters and if it matters on for your gear, it matters for your new abilities, you know, it, it matters for your storyline. Nobody's going to, I mean, there. I'm sure there's going to be some people that are just going to press one, but, you know, those people don't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's forget them. <laughs> I think, like, a hardcore role player, though, if you're really into playing the role, you might press one every time if you want to choose the light side choice, you know? That's mm-hmm. one of the things about Mass Effect, where they really reward you for going to one of the extremes, either Paragon or Renegade, which is like their version of light side, dark side, there is no benefit to being neutral. In fact, you get like in-game penalties. Like you don't get the best conversation tree options. So you're kind of hurting yourself if you don't press like one, one, one the entire time. So like, I don't think it's unreasonable to always be light side or always be dark side, but you shouldn't make that an ordeal to like have to hunt down that, that answer. Right. Right. 
We had, I think we had one more clip about on this multiplayer dialogue. Absolutely, here it is. Absolutely, and what actually happens is they roll to see who gets to uh, talk in any one time, except for the super important ones that come together in a vote node, and then you actually sort of team up vote against it. But it's still possible for one guy who rolls really well to outscore three people who roll really badly at it together, and so he ends up, you know, killing the guy when everybody else was like, no, 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 let's save him. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So it was the middle section that caught my ear. The the outside parts of that sentence, the beginning and the end, was what we we've, we've known, where you have the random roll, and you know, it doesn't just, just like one person can can choose the direction of the whole party because it's just a, you know everyone has an equal chance. The section, the part in the middle where he says, except for the super important decisions, and then he said, I think he said where it goes to like a vote node, N-O-D-E, is that what he was saying? Mm -hmm. I, that made me sit up because I was like, wait, does that mean when you have these big important like story choices, now suddenly it's going to be majority rules? Is that, that's how I interpreted that. It's not majority rules, but they're going to like count they aggregate the good score and aggregate the bad score and then they see which is higher so like if you vote kill the captain and you roll like a 99 and me and carla say save him but we both rolled like in the 20s there so our oh. the good score is 40 but the bad score is still 99 <laughs> oh you think that's how it'll be but anyway that's definitely a... what that quote means but yeah, it... oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway what we're getting away from is that Every, that there's like you know in a four-party group there's a 25 percent chance of you of one thing happening well anyway yes so it, it it'll matter i guess it won't just be you know joe blow got it because he just rolled a one one high number on his own mm -hmm. so. but that still means that we our choices individually is what affects our light side and dark side points correct Yes, I think. Okay. Uh, yes, that has not changed. Like, I'm, yeah, but okay. So, picture, right. Listen, though. Like, this is what choices do. I guess in different instances, you get light side and dark side points. But if it's a decision that maybe affects like the outcome of a flashpoint, it doesn't matter. It, it would probably matter less to me that like, yeah, I have two light side points, but the ship is still going down because we murdered someone and have to deal with those consequences. So those consequences still happen but my light side score wasn't really impacted by that choice. So it's just, it's two different metrics that are happening. Right. That's how I took it. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. I'm just making okay. sure I took it the same way. Right, right. So do you think it, well, you know, because I was thinking of when uh, in, in Austin, when a group, you know, they ran in and they did the, the kill the captain and they said, you know, three people voted kill the captain, I think. And one person voted save the captain and he won the role, so even though three people wanted it, that one guy got to win. So I don't know if the kill the captain counts as a quote-unquote super, super important, important choice. Yeah, let's just, let's but just if say it that... did, if it did, then I, in the system that Daniel Erickson just explained, it would mean that the three people who rolled um, save, I guess, or rolled, or had lower <laughs> numerical scores right, so maybe they than like the one five, outlier. Ten. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. so... So anyway, I like this idea of voting, and I, I hope we know more about it. Um, quickly moving on, uh, let's just wrap these last few things up. Um, on ships, we uh, we found out we're going to have a whole a hollow terminal on our ship, so we can receive calls, and assume probably from NPCs. And the quote current plan is that friends will be able to visit you on your ship. 
I don't know if they're thinking about not allowing it, but that but that was interesting. And then um, and that you can talk to your companions on your ship, as in Kotor. And I just threw that in there because because I remember Roxanne and you and I, I think we had talked about this, and I said, I don't think you can do that. And you said, yes, you will be able to. I was to. like, of course so. you'll be able to. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so you were right, once again. And then, um, oh, and speeder bikes, vehicles, they, that we, we, they said that we should get them sometime in our 20s or level 20s. Great. And that leads us to world arcs. Um, the story about a particular planet, for example, why was, how do you say that, Zerka? Zerka, yes. Zerka Corporation on Tantooine, um, which a player must discover. What do you mean by that? Um, that, that? That each planet, like there's the world arc stories, I mean, they literally mean the world that you're on, and they're, they're each going to have their own um story essentially that that you were going to find out through these quests and like that uh the i mean Alderaan that kind of happened in that's in wow and i bet it's represented in rift too because remember like all of the quests in a zone would kind of be linked and then there would sort of be like the end quest that you would sort of finish up the uh the quest in that area oh, okay i see what you mean yeah i guess that's true i mean we keep hearing what the, your world art quests and i don't know that we've knew exactly what a world art quest was. It sounds like what he's saying is that your world art quests are these these stories like like the someone in Tatooine. One of the years you're going to find out what was going on. What's the Zerka Corporation? You're going to be doing that through a series of quests. Um, the Alderaan one was supposedly the end of a ten a ten step quest. I think that was a world art quest. So yep. that's what they mean when they're talking about world art quests. And then what do you say also about class stories? Oh, that they're not going to have much to do with your world art. So they're two separate things. Well, I think this is really good um, because I, again, it goes back to listening to all the quests and listening to how it, it, it is all put together. And, and every planet that we go to is going to be different and they're all going to have something unique to offer. And I think this is, you know, just part yeah. of it. It's so. Okay, and then finally, it looks like um, that stealth is not as stealthy as it is maybe in WoW or maybe even Rift. Um, I'm not as familiar with stealth and Rift as I am WoW, but, but you can, like, there are certain mobs that can see through your stealth and, in WoW and certain mobs that cannot see through your stealth. And I believe Daniel Erickson was saying that that's not the case here in um, Tor is that they may, you may have to go at that particular mob at an angle so maybe he doesn't see you or at. Yeah, it sounds like it's a little less reliable. Maybe yeah. that's the right word <laughs> and, uh, in, in this game. So you, it isn't just like once you're stealth and you know, you've done it correctly and you stay in the right position, they'll never see you. I feel like, I feel like he was saying that, no, if you, can, if you keep hanging around that guy, he's eventually going to see you if you don't hurry up and do something and get out of the way. So that'll be, that'll probably change um, stealth a little bit for stealth classes. Um, is, that, is that about it? That's um, it. We've got a bunch of, all of the sources for this information will be in our show notes and um, we have links to all of the sources that we've taken. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the Friday update, which um, this past week, uh, June 10th, which was basically they put up all the videos in one place um, that we had been 
we've seen over the, the week. And then they also announced that they that Razer will be making Tor peripherals, meaning what, like the, the keyboards and, and a mouse and all that kind of thing. And a gamepad. Um, Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Fifty dollars. More importantly, I if we get this out hopefully in time, or if you listen to this in time, they, there's a contest going on to get a free, or well, to to win a Razer pack, and like there's like, and I think you're getting a lot of that stuff in there. And that contest ends June 14th. We shall we will have a link to that to the site. You'll go to the Razer site and just sign up for it there. Okay, and that leads us to, we love Tar Wars. Jeff and David are our heroes. They came to our rescue. They knew that we could not be at E3. And they graciously conducted an interview with Daniel Erickson for us. In and our name. <laughs> in our name. Thank you to um, Jeff Hollis and David Moore for conducting that interview for us. Yeah, and we just want to say also that we really we didn't even coordinate with them. They 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 taught they sort of emailed us from there and they said, "What do you want to ask?" And we just didn't really get back to them in time. So basically, they just are saying our name for us. <laughs> Jeff goes, I, I think in my email it says, "Oh, I just asked my usual goofy questions," but he did it did it for us. So we really appreciate it. It's a, it's a, a, a cute little interview. It's not up on our site yet. It should be soon. Hopefully by the time you listen to this. Um, so ladies. What were your general impressions? Were you satisfied with what came out? Um, <laughs> okay, I will go first. <laughs> I, I was definitely overwhelmed. Um, there is a, a lot of stuff. I, I really did like seeing all the gameplay footage just because mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously that's going to give you the best idea of what the game is going to be like. Uh, a lot more than um, reading an, an essay on, on maybe how the class system works. It's just nice to get to see that stuff and you know cheesy as those those videos like the Dallas Dickinson one on Tatooine are they really do give you a pretty good and um, fleshed out uh, view of what things are going to be like so just seeing stuff like that was really cool uh, again with the information release thing that I'm so conflicted about I just like I'm you know getting a little anxious about all the stuff that that we're seeing because I was following this and, and Mass Effect 3 and you know, that game looks so cool, but I think I accidentally saw, like, the reveal where you see the Normandy for the first time, because you're, like, fighting uh-huh. Geth with Anderson, and then the Normandy pops up over the horizon, and Ashley's there, and I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. And then I kind of got upset, because I was like, is is this the first time you're seeing the Normandy? Because that would be awful, because the Normandy reveal in Mass Effect 2 is, like, one of these great moments where, like, you know, your heart mm-hmm. drops out, and you're like, it's beautiful, and I would hate <laughs> I would hate to have seen that for the first time with like Casey Hudson talking over it in front of like a crowd, you know, right, on my computer. Right. Like I was like, oh god, I really hope that this isn't what I think it is. So it's that kind of thing where I really, really want the game to be fresh and to see the coolest parts of it, you know, while playing and not like with someone explaining it to me. But yeah, overall, well, you know, just tons of information. So well, in fact, that was. You know, I think at the end of the week, maybe Friday, late Friday night, I was just sitting here thinking about all the things, and I and I tweeted from our Corellian Radio. I said, um, I feel like I learned so much that I that I don't want to learn any more until release. <laughs> I said, and then I said, weird, because it is a little weird, because I I've never felt that before. I've always kind of been like, oh, I wish I only I only wish I knew more about this, that, or the other. Um, but I it was 
and and I tweeted it and I almost didn't send it because I said that's just kind of a stupid thing to say. But almost immediately I heard back from, I don't know, a bunch of people who basically agreed with me. <laughs> they were like, I know what you mean. And we kind of had a little exchange about there there were some things that I heard that I that I wish I could unhear because it was sort of something like I didn't that I feel like now I, it was almost like an important reveal that 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 I yeah that I have like known. like when you see it for real the impact is just going to be deadened a little bit or you're like oh, yeah okay. yeah well and, and you know like one of the questions that was asked and I won't give the answer because this was one of the things that I was upset to hear but someone asked you know in deceived that Jedi Aaron you know she she can she can she decides to leave the jedi order and they the person asked will we be able to leave the jedi order and and they answered it and i was like well i didn't necessarily want to know that <laughs> you know <laughs> um, uh, and i and i and i thought oh you know i think i'm learning too much and it, and of course the more every little individual quest and all the little stuff and it, it's it's just kind of a weird feeling and and of course you know Stephen reed he's so funny his his response to my tweet was something like See you at launch. Wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. This is actually all leading up to my resigning from Corellian Radio. Because <laughs> I don't want to ruin the game. No, not really. <laughs> I feel like I've eaten the entire cake in one sitting, and now I'm just like really upset that there's no cake and that I ate an entire cake. I'm a little horrified. <laughs> like, that's the feeling that I have from E3, where I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I was going to that. How about you, Carla? You, I, I started to say, I don't feel that way at all. <laughs> and when you tweeted that and I saw it, I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I thought, how can you say that? Don't get me wrong. The information that came out of E3, anybody that says, oh, we didn't learn anything or we didn't hear anything or, oh, I'm so disappointed. They need to go stick their hand head in the sand. Right now. I mean, seriously, just go out there and stick your head in the sand because those people don't even know what information is if they don't think that we got bombarded with wonderful information. I mean, I got, I, my head was swimming. I'm going, oh, you mean we can do this and we can do that and we've got this cool speeder bike and look at Blizz and, and I mean, I was just, Gooing and on over everything. Yeah, um, I think uh, I love all this, the, just the gameplay mechanics stuff that they've been showing. But uh, the unfortunate thing is that with Tor, the gameplay is so integrated with the story that to show you how something works, they have to show you a piece of the story. <laughs> and I'm like actively trying to not see that stuff. So you know, I accidentally have seen like hours of of gameplay footage that I would like like to unsee, but I can't. Because they can't just be like, this is how this works. They're like, we're going to show you five minutes of a flashpoint. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but did you notice that on Tantooine that that um, the same quest was shown over and over and over? You know, so that you weren't seeing something new? Yeah, I mean, no, but I've went... seen that entire quest now. Like, <laughs> with all, You've like, just the seen that one quest, thing. though, I, not, I not know, a whole series. I know, it's like reading five pages out of a novel, but why read those five pages? It's like... Uh, oh, man. I, I think Carla's <laughs> probably right. I think in when you have the whole game out, it, it's stuff that we've seen before launch is probably going to... Yeah, and actually, with Tor, I'm, I'm really not so worried because they keep saying it's like 10 Mass Effects or whatever, but with games like Mass Effect, where I know that there's not going to be another one after this, 
and or this is the conclusion of Shepard's story, and that game is only going to run only. It, you know, it's like a 30 to 40 hour game, and like the entire game is structured around these key moments, and like to see one of the key moments just like it sucks. But like, which I did to myself because I watched the video. I could have avoided it more, but you know, it's more important in that sense. And less in tour because tour is going to be ongoing, hopefully, like forever. Well, I huge. feel like we have seen such a minute part of the game when Daniel Erickson says that there's like sixty novels worth of mm -hmm. dialogue in the game. That yeah, which is counting all the class stories. So it's like divide that number by yeah, nine but or sixty novels. I mean, oh my gosh. You know, right. I, I think that we're seeing such a minute part, and I want to know more. Don't get me wrong. I do not want to know about my story. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go through and see all the class stories and, and that sort of thing. I don't want to see that. I want to experience that. And if the truth be known, going back to the whole open beta thing, I think that's why they don't want us in beta. <laughs> you know, in, in open betas, because they don't want to ruin the story, you know. And they don't want people to, to see it early, you know. They wanted well. them to experience the whole thing. But I loved all the information that we got. And I loved seeing some of the cool things um, in um, the the information that we saw. I loved seeing the, the planet of Tatooine and, and how massive it seems and feels. I mean, looking at the map, it doesn't look that big. But then when you're just going from this little bitty place... And it looks like it's just such a short distance and it takes you five minutes to get there. I'm thinking, mm -hmm. wow, this is yeah. huge. And this is I just think, yeah. one planet. Yep. Yep. I think, I think we're worrying too much, probably Roxanne. <laughs> but, but yeah. I know. I'm totally just like getting, I don't know, that the, the game following fatigue, which is probably a pretty normal thing because that's what like, you know, 90% of the complaints on the forums are coming from. So, I don't know. I should probably well, and, just and the... check out for a while and, and follow it less closely. <laughs> so, we'll see all of So, now I'm resigning from crying Radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's two people resigning. <laughs> Sorry, Carly, you are on your own. <laughs> oh, Lord, y'all are in trouble now. Um, but seriously, I, I, I think that, that we've gotten so much information out of E3, and I'm I'm so excited to see what the game is, how it has evolved and I love the fact that they said that the game is finished from start to end and mm -hmm. that now it's just working on other details like the precise party of, of operations and you know those kind of details right. you know this will be good to hear um, mm -hmm. and, and and I think and I think probably the community at least our community I haven't really done gone on the official forums but you know, our Twitter and Facebook people were generally very, very positive about E3. They let they loved seeing the gameplay. They loved Blizz. They loved, you know, Alderaan and Tatooine looked great. So I, you know, I think that I think in general people are pretty satisfied with with it. I so, totally so agree. I yeah. totally agree. Uh, we have, um, and that leads us up to the to the next little point of. On our uh, Facebook page, we have a, a Corellian Run Facebook page that you can get to off of our website. And we found this really cool feature that, that says you can click here to chat with a group. And so during E3 for days, for you know, all those days of E3, we were in this group chat with everybody that came um, online 
that came onto our Corellian Run mm-hmm. page, and we got to hang out with everybody and talk about all of the things that just came out. I mean, we were all standing there at waiting at 2 p.m. Central Time to wait for this particular reveal or, or you know, presentation. And, and so it was like we were there, you know, because there was a yeah. whole bunch of us there. We even had a guest appearance of Georg <laughs> Zoller. He popped in every now and then, which I thought was awesome. Georg, I love you. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to have him come in. When I, the first time I saw him, come on he talked about barbecue <laughs> but on other ones he gave a little more in depth about uh i think like the medical uh droid thing that we were all kind of talking about and you know so it's it's really neat that he just sort of like comes in and will suddenly say something wise and impressive and <laughs> we're all like oh, georg's here <laughs> so so yeah i would uh, you know i really encourage everyone out there to to check out our facebook page and how, how do they get into the group chat is there they just there's there? an, a button there's over just... on the far not a button but a, the words that says chat with group if they click mm-hmm. those words, it opens up a chat window, and everybody that happens to be online that has their chat window open, can you can just type and you can just see. It's just sort of like instant messenger, but it's for our group only. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, if you're logged into Facebook chat, it might just pop up on its own if there are other people in the group on. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's what it does now, but it didn't. But I had to look for it the first time. Uh, so uh, yeah, I kept telling Kathy, "Oh, Kathy, you got to come to the the Corellian Run uh, group page, and and we're chatting." And she goes, "What?" <laughs> like, what the heck are you talking about? And then I was like, "Oh, I always go offline because I don't want people to know I'm on your Facebook page." But, but now I, well, I can't. I can't. Um, I can't access it at work. So like, people chat me, and I don't say anything back, and I think I'm a jerk because it's blocked. So that's why I'm offline most of the time. But yeah, if, if I'm online, I don't say anything back to you. It's it's because I, I'm at my job, <laughs> and I can see your messages, but I can't say anything. <laughs> so yeah, she's not being antisocial on purpose. Oh yeah, she is. Um, no, <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. We back. have our quick mention section, which we want to do is so quickly that we're not even going to say what's on it. Just go to the, the, our show notes. We'll have them on there. There's just more interviews and articles you may have missed. Uh, at E3. So I think that's going to be a wrap for the biggest tour news. Sin. Strong am I with the Force. Or Jedi. Last time we found out that Kathy doesn't mind hand-delivering the neighbor's magazine, but she has no compunctions about reading it first. We also found out that Roxanne and Carla have highly inconvenient mail delivery situations, which make it hard to be a good neighbor when it comes to getting mail in the right hands. So far, our scores stand at Carla, negative 4, Kathy, plus 11, Roxanne, plus 1. And remember, negative scores reflect a dark side tendency, while positive scores reflect a light side tendency. Okay, guys, are you ready for your Sith or Jedi challenge? We sure are. All right. This week's Sith or Jedi challenge was suggested by Alex Lopez, one of our Facebook members, and it's called The Test of the Promotion. Your boss approaches you privately and starts to ask questions about one of your coworkers. She tells you that she is considering your coworker for a promotion and wants to know if you think the coworker would be good for the position. You know he would do a good job in the new position, but the problem is 
you wanted that promotion for yourself. What do you do? Number one, tell your boss the reason why your coworker would be good for the promotion. Mention that you are also interested. Number two, tell your boss your coworker might be a good choice for the promotion, but you think that you're an even better choice and explain why. Avoid making any positive comments about your rival. Number three, tell your boss why your coworker is a bad choice for the promotion, perhaps even make up something that would reflect badly on that coworker. All right, Roxanne, what would you do? Oh gosh, I have to go first. This is difficult. Um, well, I would never make up stuff that was bad about the coworker, but I do not think that there's anything wrong with like maybe being a little critical of them and pumping up yourself because why on earth would you would you push someone else into a position that, you know, you're good for because it's like your career and you should it should matter. So I I don't know. I guess I would have to be neutral because you know it's really your responsibility to to promote yourself literally <laughs> i guess but to, yeah to you know um talk about your good qualities um above that of your your rival which is a dangerous word rival mm -hmm, but i, I assume you. that there's no animosity between you and this other person but if you like seriously think that you would do a better job then it's your responsibility to say so okay so you have two, chosen <laughs> the neutral path you won't say anything negative about your coworker, but you switch the focus on your conversation to your qualifications what about you kathy um I, I think I agree pretty much with what Roxanne said. I I would probably first kind of just try to deflect it and, you know, not answer the question, but say, hey, you know what, actually I was interested and and then talk about myself. If I guess if the boss continued to go, well, but tell me about why you think this person is good for the job, then I might have to, if, you know, I wouldn't be able to get out of it, but I would, but I would try to just talk about me rather than my coworker. So I think also that's not to cut in on you, but like that's a really confusing conversation because if the boss is asking for why they would be good for the promotion, to me that sounds like on a higher level that decision's already been made and they're just looking for, for reasons. Because um yeah, it, really you that's not good science, I guess, to like have your conclusion <laughs> first and then look for answers. And, you know, you don't want to be a jerk about it. So if they were like, if they kept trying to steer the conversation, you wouldn't be like, no, me. <laughs> <laughs> me, I'm more important. Me, 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 me. <laughs> okay, well, so you have also me. chosen the neutral path, so okay. we know the answer to that. Um, I've really thought about this after reading it, and I would never make up something about somebody else. That's first and foremost. If that didn't have that particular thing... I probably would get, lean towards number three, but my gut would tell me that I would do number two because I'm, I would not promote this other person. And I believe that you are your own best salesperson and that if you don't sell yourself, nobody else will. And I've always put that, that, you know, foot forward. So right. I would have no problem self promoting. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think in the parameters of this situation that you know, you do know that that coworker would be good in that position. Yeah, so, but even yeah, if that three, coworker would be good, I would be better. Yeah, yeah. If you know that you would be better, mm -hmm. <laughs> like or as good, then like, 
Man, only someone with a terrible and weak personality would do number one. Why would you get rid of an opportunity for yourself? That's just like I would never do really number believe, one. Yeah, I mean, if you really believe they'd be better than you, then they they probably will be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you would never say, yeah, that person they're very they're highly organized and really self motivated, but I think that I could do that too, and blah 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 blah. Mm, no, I would not give them any positive feedback. <laughs> You don't want to, like, hobble yourself. No, 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 no. I'm saying, well, you know, now that you mention it. <laughs> and then I turn the conversation right around to me. That's good. All right. Well, it looks like we're all good at self-promotion. There you go. Just goes to show we're very positive advice. women. <laughs> no, it's true. You have to stick up for yourself. and You do and in no that workforce. It's tough to... out there. If you don't do it, yeah. nobody else is. That's for sure. Well, you can read all about our past Sith or Jedi test on our website at CorellianRun.com. Keep your score and see which way you lean. Okay, that sound means it's time for Community Buzz, where we take a look at the things the fans are talking about. Uh, the first thing we wanted to uh, just talk about a little bit was we got a lot of responses to our discussions about macros last uh, last podcast, and um, I think it was, I would have to say it was pretty evenly divided. You had the pro-macro people and the the people who see the problems with macros. Um, it, it was a, we had a couple of really civilized discussions and actually really helpful sort of posts like Heretic Zero posted a really <laughs> a post called Macros 101 and he really I saw that like, yeah I was yeah. like oh snap I'm being taken to school <laughs> <laughs> no no he was really nice about it no no he um, totally was yeah yeah thanks. and and explained better than than I could and uh, you know what macros were and why they were useful blah 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 and and <laughs> and Roke our rock also threw in his two cents on the forums um but there was and there was also uh this uh Luis he, he actually emailed us and he he was talking about um how one of the problems is is that yeah you do have this you can get in the situation where you're kind of this one key will do everything and play the whole game for you and he goes when i was playing world of warcraft i was able to maintain heroics with two sometimes three keys due to my macros and this is my favorite part i would sometimes let my seven-year-old daughter my seven-year-old dps during raids since my death knight had her full rotation macro to the one key <laughs> so he goes macros don't make you more efficient or better they just allow you to quote play the game with minimum effort so that's the that's the other side of the the macro argument but uh yeah <laughs> it was a it was an interesting conversation we got a lot of really thoughtful responses and we appreciate everyone who who chimed in on this this topic um oh and yes carla and i were very excited we got phone calls from two people this week who called in with uh two different questions um and our first one is from Autocron of Sith of the Sith Happens Guild. Can you play that one, Carl? Hey, Gorillian Run Radio. This is Autocron with the Sith Happens Guild. I realize that a lot of information is being released at E3 right now, uh, specifically mounts. I was wondering what kind of uh, bestial or animal mounts you guys would like to see in the game after launch. Uh, thanks for everything you guys are doing. I really enjoy the variety of your show. Keep up the good work. So thanks, first of all, for calling. We were, Carlo was real excited to find that on the, on the phone. Um, and, and as for the answer, did he say vehicle and animal mounts, not just animal mounts? I think well, he just said animal. 
I think he called yeah. it a vehicle. So, so for me, uh, I guess the obvious one would be Tauntauns, which we've always, always talked about. But, but I was also thinking about, I think in one of the early the one of the episodes, three or two, I think, Obi-Wan Kenobi rides on the sort of lizardy thing, which was really fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but a dewback, kind of... which was going to be my answer. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. You mean that giant, like, lizard that, like, screams and runs on, like, four I think feet? so. It's like, I hate yeah. that thing. That thing sucks. <laughs> it haunts my dreams. <laughs> no. And, you know, I, I think the speeder bikes, actually, and if it was, if we're talking about vehicles, I would actually like to ride a real speeder bike, like the kind that, 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 uh, in Return of the Jedi. Yes, in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so, so those are my two answers. Uh, Roxanne, what animal would you like to ride? Um, realistically, uh, I would probably like to ride a dewback, maybe. It's tough, because dewbacks are, like, these animals, they're constrained to, you know, the ridiculous planets that are defined by one topographical feature. So right. I can't imagine that a Tanzan would be happy in a place that wasn't, you know, filled with snow and things. So I can understand why they don't aren't there. Uh, my my non-serious answer is that I want to be ported around by Gungans on a rickshaw. That would be awesome. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Gungans. Poor Gungans. They get all the hatred. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you, Carla? I don't have a preference because I think, I think that y'all hit on it a little earlier. And you said that it's all based on your terrain. I think that I would like it to be something that is appropriate for the terrain that I'm on at the time. In other words, each planet will have their own unique type of animal mount. So I think I'd want a variety. I wouldn't want to be limited like in wow, I have a stupid horse. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, and I think it's just the variety. I yeah, I want a variety. So I, and I think they've pretty much hinted that we'll, we'll, we will eventually see animal mounts, just not before launch, they don't think. So right. Think. All right. Um, and our, our other phone call was from Joe in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hi, Curly and Run Radio. This is Joe calling from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, I know from past episodes that you don't have much interest in romance arcs, but I was wondering if you thought Bioware would include same-gender romance plots with the release of The Old Republic. They have in the past with their single-player games, but I'm a little worried that with a head writer from the Mass Effect team, they won't do it this time. Thanks. Love your show. Bye-bye. So, um, I mean, first, first of all, I just want to say that um, I, I love the romance arcs. Yes, that was the first <laughs> thing I want to say, too. <laughs> they are totally, like, my favorite part of, uh, well, not my favorite part, but they're a great part of, like, Mass Effect. I, I love all, all the stuff that happened with, um, like, I love that, you know, Shadow Broker expanded the Liara thing, and the fact that you could romance people like Tally and Garrus in Mass Effect 2. I was like, the first time the romance dialogue often started popping up for them, I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest game ever. Because <laughs> I love those guys, and I love that they're able to, you know, recontextualize that kind of, like, companion squad member thing to be, like, you know, more personal in the second game. So I'm totally for the romance arcs. Um, I love that they're going to be in tour. 
Yeah, and and I have to that I am too. And I think you're probably thinking of Carlo, who was not very, who was not really sold on the idea of romance arcs. Uh, and we had a conversation about that a few podcasts ago. So anyway, <laughs> that's that's the first part of your of your question. Um, the second was same gender romance arcs. I am super interested to find out if these are going to be in here or not because because Bioware does have them in their single player RPGs, right? They have Right. They so have to quickly go over a, a brief history, I guess. Um so for Mass Effect, the first one, they and I guess the second one also, they have a uh maybe just the first one. They have like you can romance Liara whether you're male or female, which I guess should count as like um like a lesbian relationship, but they do this thing where they talk about how the Asari are a monogendered species, so they only have people who look like women. So it's like not there's like a couple lines of dialogue where they really talk about they're like well it doesn't really count because it's like this, and that sort of caused controversy in 2007 when it came out because it was banned in Singapore for like a day or something because they're like oh no homosexuality. Uh, Dragon Age is a little different because it has like straight up homosexual arcs where you can, you know, if you're a guy, you can romance guys, and if you're a girl, you can romance girls. Um, I know that when Mass Effect 2 came out, people, it, it received a little bit of flack because people thought that it had, you know, rolled back how progressive Bioware was being because they didn't include, um, like gay romance arcs. You couldn't be, you know, male Shepard and, and romance Garrus or Thane or something like that. Um, but I think, so I can, I, maybe that's where some of your concern comes from. But we've heard recently, unless I'm wrong, that there's gonna be, um, like, uh, gay homosexual romances in Mass Effect 3. So I think that Bioware is trending towards that. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I seem to remember that coming out, um, fairly recently. And, and, and I think, bef let me, is this correct that they have in the past had female, female? same gender but not male male or am i just well totally... uh, by they mass effect hasn't they, done male yeah. male like, dragon yeah, age and dragon age 2 have dragon age 1 did also yes yes because oh, you could romance you could romance zevran i'm I've, i think you could romance alistair but i'm not sure because i didn't uh and in dragon age 2 you could romance anders Okay, and if so, you were a woman, you could romance anybody, because <laughs> right. that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so if 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 Tor was not going to be an MMO, I would see absolutely no reason why you wouldn't expect, you know, in the in the tradition now of Dragon Age and Mass Effect Three coming out. I, I think that you would definitely see same gender, uh, guy guy, girl girl romance arcs as an option. I don't know. Because it's an online game, if they're going for a maybe like a different market, like a so or in terms of age, I, are Mass Effect are those like mature games? Yeah, they're or are they they're, teen? they're M rated, but I don't. I I think in the ESRB rating system, the inclusion of like homosexuality doesn't automatically you know throw you into the the M category. It's the content that you show. So it's, I mean, from what mm -hmm. we've seen of the romance arcs in Tor, where, you know, you kiss someone that, like, fades out or, like, you know, right. you hug them, there's no reason they couldn't do that. I don't think that the fact that 
it would be like a girl and a girl and a guy and a guy would automatically blacklist you to like you know like an adults only rating that's we we know for a fact that that isn't true actually right so i guess now you're thinking what how does throwing lucas arts into the mix affect a possible rating system yeah i don't know there's there i think there are too many variables we just we just don't know we i don't think we're gonna, we're not going to know until someone actually i think the fact that it's them. being included <laughs> In Mass Effect 3, uh, having, you know, guy-guy romances means that they're trending towards, like, including more of that uh, in their games. I would be, personally, I would be surprised if, if it wasn't uh, featured in Tor. Mm-hmm. Just because they've, they've stressed so much that, you know, this is the, the Bioware single-player experience that you have grown accustomed <laughs> to. Um, and to scale back something like this, which is... Eh, you know, the romances are really, really important if you're a Bioware single-player game. That's, like, that's been a hallmark of, of their game since since forever, you know, because they were in, uh, they were definitely in Baldur's Gate 2. They were mm-hmm. in uh, Planescape Torment. It's They've been around, like, forever. So if you play a Bioware game, you kind of, that is, like, a really big draw of, like, the companion relationships and that evolution. And uh, because they're so important, I would be surprised if they got rid of, you know, like, half or, you know, the content that people are used to. Right. And right, I can't yeah. I don't I can't think of a good reason to not to not do it or a reason that isn't, you know, stupid. So <laughs> So this Well, is I mean, the what did the, I like this art like I don't really get how I feel like they've been involved kind of in uh, you know, keeping everything canon and stuff like that. I don't know if they're involved in the types of decisions where they're like we are going to police like, uh, you know, this on, on this level. And see, I just, I don't know how the workflow has been. I feel like in every project that Bioware has done, whether it be their interaction with LucasArts or EA, Bioware's been kind of given, like, free reign to do what they do best because people generally get, like, they're successful because they're allowed to operate in the way that they do. So I would be surprised uh, if LucasArts was like, you shall not do this because of Well, reason. I mean... You- they might, I mean, LucasArts, the Star Wars IP, I mean, think of it like the Disney company. You, it, they, they have a certain image that they want to keep, and it, and it frankly would not surprise me if they decided not to put them in, if they used the excuse. I am, it, okay. That it, I, wait, wait, let me just finish my thought. <laughs> um, that yeah. we're going for a teen rating, and there's a, there is a large portion of this country that will find the inclusion of such thing highly controversially. We want to stay away from that controversy. I personally would like to see it in. I, I, I don't agree with that stance, but I would not be surprised if that's what the line they decided to take. Right, okay, so the uh, the idea of a teen rating, I really don't understand the connection of where having like homosexuality bars you from the <laughs> teen rating, because there's plenty of games that include like stuff like that, that, that you know, that still maintain a team rating, I'm pretty sure. And plus, this would be a great opportunity if any of us knew anything about lore or the extended universe. I will bet you a million dollars, which I, I do not have, <laughs> I will write you an IOU that I bet that there's tons of things that use the, the uh, not Bioware, the Star Wars license that have, like, homosexual romances. Because, you know, there's thousands of comics and books and stuff like that, you know, if we count things like, you know, Juhani in in the first KOTOR game. It's not exactly something that is new. The license has been around for so long, I can't believe 
that you know this is a thing about branding because I'm sure I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I guess. Carla, what do you think is <laughs> going to happen on this subject? It's going to come up eventually. I'm do not see, touching it. <laughs> I'm not touching it. Mm-hmm. Do you, can, I mean, you don't have to say whether you agree or not, but do you think, I mean, it's going to come up. Do you think, where do you think they're going to land? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I really don't know because I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum on this. All right. Well, thanks for the phone calls. We really appreciate it. We hope we'll get some more of those as we love to hear what you guys are thinking about and love to try to answer questions. <laughs> um, all right. We are up to the end now. We want to thank Glenn Speed and Sunny Ravencourt for leaving us positive reviews on iTunes. And you can contact us through our website at CorellianRun.com. And you can, get, when you're at our front page, you can click on Twitter or our Facebook button to go to Facebook. You can also leave us a voicemail message, just like our previous two listeners, at 281-766-4511. Or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Zoom. And that wraps it up for us at Corellian Run Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Until next time, I'm Roxanne. And I'm Carla. And I'm Kathy. May the force be with you. And may all your E3 wishes come true. You've been listening to Corellian Run Radio, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast. Tune in next time to hear Daniel Erickson say... Every time I've ever been interviewed by Corellian Run Radio before, it has been a beautiful woman. What are you doing here? Yeah. Transition.